Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Friday, September 1st. We begin with our weekly conversation with Mayor Jyoti Gondek. This time out, the mayor updates us on the city's ongoing strategy to deal with the continuing housing crisis, including the dismantling of a very large homeless encampment earlier this week in the city's southeast. It's groundbreaking technology to aid in the fight of heart disease, and it's now available in Calgary. We hear details on how artificial intelligence is being used to detect heart health risks from Diamond Fernandez, director of the HeartFit Clinic. And finally, with the kids back in class, parents finally have a bit more free time to dive into a good book. We get some suggested titles to add to your fall reading list from Ryan Smith, co-owner of Calgary-based Owl's Nest Books. Every week at this time, we have the opportunity to catch up with Mayor Jyoti Gondek for the latest uh, happenings in our city. And uh, this week is no different. Good morning to you, Madam Mayor. Good morning, Andy and Sue. How are you? Good, good. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. Hey, want to touch on uh, the fact that the uh, camps that we've been seeing in the city uh, broken up over the weekend or over the past few days, rather, the encampments by bylaw and law enforcement. But before we get there, let's talk about the bigger picture issue, Madam Mayor, which is the housing crisis in the city. What's the latest and, and what steps are being taken to try to combat that at the local level? Yeah, thanks for that question. Uh, People will remember that um, before summer, Council received recommendations from a housing and affordability task force that were quite comprehensive. And in a 14 to 1 vote, we approved that those should form the foundation of a housing strategy that administration would build and present to us. That's coming to us on the 14th of September. Uh, The public is able to weigh in. You can either come to the meeting or you can send in uh, your show of support for that, um, that mandate to really address the crisis that we are in. So we are um, in receipt of a confidential document for now as council, but next week, early next week, the public will be able to view what that strategy is. It will be posted on the city's website. So please have a look at that and, uh, you know, come out and help support us tackling the housing crisis in a meaningful way. And on that note, as Andy mentioned, the, the I guess for lack of a better term, the homeless encampments that were broken up uh, by bylaw through the past week or so, it, was it the danger factor? Or I know that the chief of police also kind of commented that sometimes, uh, you know, crime can be involved in this too. So why was it so important to sort of get this broken up before the cold weather sets in? There's a combination of things that are at play here. If uh, if we remember back to Dermot Baldwin Way about a year and a half ago, there was actually quite a violent gang that was operating there and really preying on people that were in positions of vulnerability. So the Calgary Police Service does look to make sure that encampments um, are not containing a criminal element, and when that's happening, they do take action. The other thing that I'm always concerned about is, you know, we've got people who have said we don't need to go to shelter necessarily necessarily because we don't feel we're in crisis. However, they don't have availability of housing either, so they are setting up tents. It's not always the safest condition, and it's certainly not the best way to house people with dignity. So once again, I go back to the housing strategy that we're creating that is going to generate more homes and more supports to go along with those homes so people don't have to set up encampments. In the meantime, I know that the, the process is in place and a structure in place to move ahead and, and combat this crisis. But in the meantime, Madam Mayor, what happens with it's fine to, to clear out this particular section of encampments, but are these people not just going to be displaced and, and find new a new encampment or encampments through the city? 
anytime that there is um, an encampment breakdown, there are support uh, services available. People are transported to other facilities. Uh, people are taken into the system to understand what their needs are and really help them get the best type of housing that's available. So that's what we strive to do. We try to make sure that we can help people with what they need to get into a good housing situation. Let's talk uh, a little bit about solar panels. Speaking of houses and residential buildings, maybe a good way to cut down on energy buildings, or energy bills, I should say. Places like Banff, Edmonton, incentives for people to install some of these solar panels. Do you think that's something that the City of Calgary is going to implement? Are we looking at that? We have already implemented that through the Clean Energy Improvement Program. And with that program, you can absolutely apply to uh, put solar panels on your home. The other thing that we did when we created that program is change the bylaw so that you have permission to put up those solar panels. And uh, so we are absolutely competitive in that regard. And I can tell you that um, a wide variety of uh, applications have come in about the clean energy improvements, but 40% of them include installing solar panels. All right, uh, let's uh, focus on this weekend, and it's a big deal this weekend. We've got Sunday, well, all weekend long, but all eyes on Sunday's uh, Pride Parade. This is going to be something that has continued to grow over the years, and it is uh, fantastical in the attendance and the colorful and the joy surrounding the parade, although maybe not for everybody. So let's talk about the underbelly of it, and that is security surrounding Sunday's Pride Parade. Can you tell us what's going to be in place, Mayor? So because I'm not an actual organizer of the parade, I can't give you all the details, but I can tell you this. The Executive Committee of Pride is a group of individuals who are absolutely committed to making sure that this is a safe and inclusive event. I've spoken with them over the last few months, and they have taken public safety very, very seriously. They have liaised with various groups, including Calgary Police Service and including the City of Calgary. We will make this event as safe as possible and and you know let's go away from the underbelly belly for a moment and talk about just how many people have applied to be mm-hmm. in the parade this year i can tell you that for the first time it's not just going to be mayor plus council we will have members of administration marching with us as well so we've got a great group coming out on behalf of the city of calgary i can't wait to see the floats and the outfits and this is really a celebration that indicates we are a welcoming an inclusive city because we are better when we understand that all of us have a role to play here. And it is a ton of fun. It's a great family affair. Enjoy the music and the floats and the colors and the candy and everything that kind of goes with it. Um, But but you have talked about anti-LGBTQ plus sentiment of late and, and how there's no place for it in our city. Why do you think, if, you know, from your personal perspective or just in general, but why is being an ally to the community so important? It's absolutely critical at a time like this. I mean, we have been through so many struggles over the time, uh, over time. And in the last century, we have seen so many movements that have elevated women's rights, human rights. We have seen so many marches. We've seen so many advocacy groups. And we stand the risk of spiraling backwards if we don't stand up and become allies with people who absolutely need us right now. And, you know, I said this many years ago when we were debating whether banning conversion therapy should happen in our city. And it was pretty obvious that we should be banning conversion Mm -hmm. therapy. But at that time, I said, you know, if you're not asking your bus driver or your operating room doctor or your plumber how they identify then you have no business asking anybody else we all belong here we were all put here for a reason so let's just understand that society is better when we're inclusive
you're here. Absolutely. Uh, just before I let you go, it is the last long weekend of the summer. Do you have any uh, plans besides uh, the parade on Sunday? What, what else you got going on? I'll be at the Labor Day Classic, Ooh. which is going to be amazing. Yep. And this is high excitement. Get ready, everyone. I will be cleaning my house. Ooh. I know. Ooh. Fun. You yeah. know how to whoop it up on a long weekend. I do indeed. <laughs> awesome. Well, enjoy every moment of it. Uh, kids are back in school. Things change a little bit. So, yeah, get get cleaned up. Get ready for fall. Get ready for winter and uh, time to hunker down. But enjoy the Pride Parade. Happy Pride to you and to uh, your entire team. Thank you. Happy Pride to you as well. And, Andy, I think you've got a kiddo going to school for the first time. Oh, yesterday, mm-hmm. yes. Oh. Entering kindergarten. And, oh, he's the last of four. He's the trailer on the train. But it was only, unfortunately, <laughs> one hour yesterday because they get him into it. So he wants much more. It's the last first first day. So exactly. congratulations. Right. Hey, thank you so much. Have a great weekend. You too. That is Calgary Mayor Jyoti Gondek. Calgary's HeartFit Clinic is the first clinic in Canada to launch the AI Heart Scanner. It's an early detection solution for heart disease risk using AI tech. Joining us with all the details is founder and director of HeartFit Clinic, Diamond Fernandez. Morning, Diamond. Thanks for being with us. Good morning. Fascinating. Uh, Lots of criticism around AI, but there are some incredible uses for it. So tell us about this new use for artificial intelligence. What, What is different about this heart scanner? What does it do? Well, what I really love about it is, you know, as you know, at the HeartFit Clinic, we love to be able to be cutting edge and trying to find out what is the best tool to be able to understand where risk is of a heart attack or stroke. So I'm just going to throw out some numbers out there because the the concern is is always the accuracy, like how accurate is this stuff? And the more I, I think people understand AI, the more it does it, the more it's uh, it, the more advanced it gets, the more smarter it gets, and so. Uh, when we look at this, we've done over 3 million scans, not us, but the, the, the company has done over 3 million scans. It's researched in over uh, eight countries and FDA approved in three of them. And so, and double blind trials and all that uh, stuff. So the accuracy of the test allows us to be as accurate as an angiogram, which is the gold standard to look inside. It's a 93% accurate to the angiogram. Now to give us some perspective on that, a stress test, which everyone knows when you walk on a treadmill and, you know, you exercise at the, the doctor's office or cardiologist's office, that is only 43% accurate. Mm. Wow, incredible. So, so let's talk about it. And I know that uh, your language can sometimes be a little over our heads from the nature of what you do, Diamond. But in, in what ways is AI aiding? Can you give us an example and how it works in, in the process for these diagnoses? So what we do is we look at the frequency of the electricity of the heart, and it gives us a, the patient's lying in this bed for a, probably about 10 to 15 minutes, and then we get an instant answer as to where risk is. And when we look at heart disease or coronary artery disease, we're mostly looking for, you know, what is the blockages? And at the HeartFit Clinic, we can look for small blockages, we can look for medium-sized blockages, or we can look for large-sized blockages. And, and so... All of those different types of blockages are important to understand. Now, why is that important? The majority of heart attacks and strokes occur with blockages that a cardiologist will never pick up. Hmm. That, that's, and, yeah, that's shocking right there, isn't it? And, and we've talked about it before, like inside the artery wall, it's all skin. It's not a pipe, it's a muscle. And the risk of a pimple, everyone has had a pimple pop on their face before, right? It's gross, it's disgusting, it pusses. Well, Imagine the inside of the artery wall, it's all skin. If you put your thumb and finger together, that's what the inside of the artery looks like, it's all skin. Imagine a pimple building up inside the lining of the artery wall. If it pops, 
well, there's your heart attack or stroke. And 90% of heart attacks will get missed when you just look at a stress test alone, or even an electrocardiogram or ECG, where people understand it. Now at the HeartFit Clinic, we can be 93% accurate. And with everything else we do, we do it just is a game changer on how we understand and track disease progress. And that's the most important thing that we're able to do, which is safe, it's painless, there's no radiation, like, that's a big one, and it's really accurate. A little tongue-in-cheek here, but how does Lil Ol' Calgary's HeartFit Clinic end up with this first AI heart scanner? Well, we have three clinics. We have Calgary, Edmonton, and Vancouver, and so um, the makers of the software decided, hey, we, you know, this is a, a good platform to be able to look at uh, uh, introducing it into Canada and so I'm always on the search I'm always on the search to how better can we be at preventing and reversing cardiovascular disease and we're always looking at better ways to be able to do that and so we we revolutionizing heart assessments and we're offering authorizing um, basically we're offering unparalleled speed and accuracy in how we detect cardiovascular disease risk in, in a very, uh, we've, we've obviously spoken with you a few times, Diamond, on the program here. Very proactive approach and a proactive, I guess you'd say, uh, system that you have going there. So, so who should be getting their heart checked from uh, from your facility, for example? Is this somebody who's had previous heart conditions or maybe it runs in the family? How does it work? Yeah, and anyone who's concerned about their heart health, so it would fall into, I guess, three categories. Either you're, hey, I, I'm concerned about it, my neighbor had a heart attack, or my father or brother or whatever, someone close or loved one ended up having a heart attack, and you want to understand where your risk is and be proactive. Well, this is, you know, we're coming into hockey season now, and hockey's starting up, but also rec hockey's starting up, and we hear about heart attacks happening on the ice all the time, and that, you know, it's people that are active or, or just want to know where their risk is, but then there's the people that they might be taking a cholesterol-lowering pill, they, they're taking a blood pressure pill or diabetes, and they want to understand truly where their risk is of a heart attack or stroke so they can get to the reversal of that, and then the people that already have had a heart stent or a bypass surgery or heart attack or uh, you know, they're, they've already have heart disease and now they're, they're wanting something to keep track of their disease progress. And more importantly show, like at the HeartFit Clinic, we love to reverse cardiovascular disease and we're really good at that part of it. And so it, it's not a magic formula. It, it's, I mean, it's our magic formula, but it's not a magic pill, if that makes sense. It, it takes work and discipline to be able to do that. And so now we have the greatest test to be able to keep track of that because it's safe, it's painless, there's no radiation and, you know, it's, it's accurate. So. Well, you and your team do do amazing work. Thanks so much for, jo- for joining us this morning, Diamond. Appreciate your time. My pleasure. Thanks. Have Diamond. a great long weekend. You too, Diamond Fernandez, founder, director of the HeartFit Clinic. You can go online, find out more, heartfit.ca. Now that the September is here and the kiddos are busy, back in school, back with the extracurricular, parents might have a more minutes to get sucked into that good book to spend some time flipping through the pages and what an, an aptly timed guest for us here uh, with your picks uh, because they happen to be his picks for reading list into the fall we have ryan smith co-owner of owl's nest books good morning to you ryan good morning it's great to be back thanks for having me good to have you now i want to ask you a question this is kind of off the beaten path here uh, but again with falls with some cooler temperatures you might feel like curling up with a new read. Do you have a favorite time of the year to read? I know you read 365 days of the year, but is there one season that's more tailored for you to, to picking up a new book? I don't think so. I think rather the books are tailored to the seasons. And so oh. there's those those lazy summer reads where you're you're sitting out on, on the porch or on the beach 
Um, there's these cozy fall winter reads as uh, as the season changes and you curl up with a, a cup of tea and a nice comfy chair um, with maybe a little different style of a book. Um, and then sort of that deep winter, you know, mid-February, minus 40 day, um, just hunker down with something there. Um, as you notice with my reading, it's a lot of getting cozy. <laughs> You're right. I think, you know, in the summertime, it's you can have a mindless book. It doesn't matter because there's so much going on and you just want to kind of chill out and relax and, and read something. It doesn't almost matter what it is. It's just reading something that you kind of get lost in. But I know you've got some great fall picks for us now. We can start our fall reading list yeah, our, with what you brought in for us. Our fall reading list. So, Sue, I'm told you like murder mystery. I do. It's my favorite. <laughs> so I've got a couple here. Um, the first one I have is by Ian Ferguson and Will Ferguson. I only read murder. Uh, now, Will and Ian are uh, Calgary authors. Um, they've both been writing for quite a while now. Um, and they've come together to write this one. Um, this one is a little lighter, a little more fun. They, they're poking fun at the murder mystery genre throughout, uh, sort of playing with those classic tropes. Um, but it's the story of a sort of a washed-up TV actress who uh, ends up in a small town, um, taking sort of a, a, what gig she can get. Um, and she's part of a play, and a murder takes mm. place on stage. Love and it. despite there being an audience full of witnesses, no one's really sure what's happened. So That's cool. Um, a lot of fun. They are very funny guys, and uh, and that humor translates into in, in translates into the book. Um, for a more serious, thrilling murder, um, my favorite mystery author is Lisa Jewell, and I probably have talked about uh, one of her books before, "The Night She Disappeared." Um, Love that one. Twists and turns were so organic. Um, it finished, and an hour later, the last twist clicked, and I went racing back. Oh, that's what she did! Brilliant. Um, then she came out with The Family Remains a couple of years ago, uh, which was really, really great, this cold case that comes to light. Um, and now her most recent one, which just came out at the beginning of August, titled None of This is True. And the fun, one, fun part about this one is that when you start page one, the murder hasn't happened yet. Now, usually with a murder mystery, you're flashing back, seeing how the, the murder took place while your main character solves the crime. But in this one, we're, we're walking with the murderer and the main character and seeing how the murderer develops into a murderer and comes to commit murder. And, uh, and, the, and the main character, of course, has to um, solve the crime and try not to get killed. And yeah, um, edge of your seat, that really? one. Really, really fun. And is that a local author? Or? No, so Lisa Jewell is from the UK. Okay. Um, but brilliant okay i want to ask you this when yeah. it comes to these murder mysteries and these whodunits ryan are you the kind of person that needs everything by the end of the book to be wrapped up in a nice with a nice bow on top or do you not mind some loose ends and maybe some mystery even at the end of the, the book definitely depends on the loose end um that's what makes the night she disappeared so great is that there are just these couple of loose ends and like one of them gets tied up right at the very end um really does a great job at it um, but, but the loose ends can be fun too because they can lead on to to future books mm -hmm. um, and mystery series are huge. Um, Martin Walker has uh, a great historical one. Louise Penny with hers, of course, She's a classic, you know, yeah. absolutely classic. Uh, you know, and, and just giving a chance for little details to jump from one book to the next are Love always it. fun. Love it. What else have you got for us? Um, more on the uh, action thriller side. Uh, Chris Hadfield, of course, wrote the Apollo Murders. Uh, coming October 10th is the sequel titled The Defector. 
which is the story of a uh, during the Cold War a uh, Russian fighter pilot who defects to the United States with a, an experimental um, fighter jet. Um, so a lot of fun there. Um, and he, uh, for an yeah. astronaut, he's done quite well. I like reading yeah. what he writes. Yeah, it's it's always a little. I'm always a little hesitant when the us. Uh, um, celebrity like uh, Chris Hadfield yeah. gets into writing because uh, they're not necessarily writers. But, but it's you know, worked, hasn't it? Oh, he, he knows what he's doing. They are fantastic. So, yeah, watch for that one October 10th. Um, for the kids, um, heists are big when it comes to mysteries. Uh, so Kevin Sands, a Canadian author, um, he's got a new series. The first book is called Children of the Fox. And this is a group of kids who uh, are brought together and you have to pull off a heist and steal a, a magical artifact from a high wizard. And, uh, of course, uh, that goes awry and they have to pull off a second heist and uh, more heists in the rest of the series. So, yeah, a lot, lot of fun. Like that. Awesome. Yeah. Fantastical. Um, any, any other recommendations for, uh, for picking up for a fall read? Or is it a case that... You know, you go in and just ask your favorite bookologist. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, we love talking about books. Um, hear me going on and on here. Uh, and we'll go on and on in store with you as well. Um, there's always something for everyone. And the staff has such a, a, a range of taste that if, if I can't recommend you something in the store, I'll run in the back and grab someone else who is going to have something that is your taste. Uh, if I've got time for one more, oh, um, Calgary author Deborah Willis um, has a, a, a book out called Girlfriend on Mars. And this is going to be more literary um, if you're looking for that uh, thinker of a book. Um, a great interrogation of what it means to live a morally and ethically and responsible life. And so our main characters, Kevin and Amber, uh, young people who are do <clears throat> sorry, doing their best to... Uh, be upstanding citizens, but, um, you know, they realize they're not making much of a difference in the world. Um, so Amber decides to take life into her own hands and signs up for a reality TV show to be one of the first people on Mars. And, uh, of course, she's with all these other people who are um, very well accomplished and um, also living morally and up ethically upstanding lives. Um, and the book does a great job of interrogating sort of where that line is between I'm doing good things to perform for social media, sort of narcissism, to I am just trying to be a good person and participate in my community and uh, and just do what I can to to be good. Um, cool premise. Very fascinating, yeah. Fascinating. I, I love that you highlight, you know, yes, there's a UK author in there, but for the most part, you know, either Canadian, but Alberta-based, Calgary-centric, so some great reads for us for the fall. That's an excellent reading list. You know, we'll put that up on our uh, social media list, uh, our social media pages as well to make sure people get all that info. Absolutely. And I do, I'll, yeah, I, lo I love the fact that, you know, you, it must be one of your favorite things, not that you don't have authors from across the globe coming, but when the local authors have the chance, and mm -hmm. that's the beauty of an independent bookstore like Owl's Nest Books, that they spend time there. They'll come in and have a coffee with you and perhaps do some uh, readings or signings. You like that part of your job? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, they come in Saturdays. We, t we have a lot of signings. Uh, we've, evening events are kicking back off in the fall, and it is. It's all local authors. Uh, we get to celebrate their great work, and it is fantastic work. Um, you know, I would never recommend a bad book, um, but I'm always excited when the good book I'm recommending happens to have a, a local or a Canadian connection. Love it. Uh, yeah. Love it. Well, we'll uh, send people to owlsnestbooks.com. That's the website. Obviously, people can come into the shop, talk to you and your staff, and, and get some great recommendations on fall, winter reading, ugh, as we hunker down for the uh, the colder weather. Thanks so much for coming in, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it, Ryan Smith, co-owner of Owls Nest Books.